we are busy with our What If series. And I don't think Mike explained this to you last week, but the reason we are doing this series is that right at the beginning of the year, many of you at our Good Friday service pinned prayer requests to our cross saying you were handing over these burdens to the Lord. And some of, the, some of those prayer requests, when we were praying over them and standing with you, we looked at them and we thought, wow, these are things that people are struggling with. Let's do a preaching series on them. So the, these are your issues. Um, and maybe you're all over them since Good Friday, because that was quite a long time ago. But we, we are trusting to give you um, the tools to live a victorious life. Today, we are going to be talking about what if you could not lose? What if you could not lose? What would you do if you were guaranteed to win? <laughs> Mike is saying he would support pirates. We don't know what to say about that. But I did see that the Lions did pretty well yesterday. I went for a run in the afternoon, and every car I passed had a red flag hanging out. I was very happy. So some of you who are not from Joburg don't understand our joy at this. <laughs> but um, what would you do if you could not use? I would play, I would play more card games. Uh -huh. I have a son, my youngest son, who is a game designer by profession. And so he really understands games. And since he was about 13, I have never been able to win a card game against him. It's been like a fruitless effort. So if I was guaranteed to win, Joshua, I would be playing games all the time, and I would be winning. What, what would we do if we could not lose, if we weren't afraid, if we were guaranteed success? How would that change the way we lived? How would that change the way we lived? So Mike preached a sermon last week, do you remember? And it was about Joshua. And Joshua was taking over the leadership of the nation of Israel. And God was um, exhorting him to take the leadership from Moses. If you haven't read the story, you can go back and read it in your Bibles in the book of Joshua. It's a really fascinating story. But you remember, Mike spoke about the gap between the promise that God has given you and the time of its fulfillment. And he talked about that it's in that gap that the most problems happen. When we've been given the promise, it's all wonderful. Yes, we're so excited. There's faith. And then there's the process of walking into that promise that sometimes takes a little bit of time. And it's in that gap between the fulfillment and the promise given that sometimes we get into trouble. We make mistakes. We walk different ways. We get discouraged. And what did God say to Joshua to fill in that gap? to allay the fears, to help him overcome the hurdles, he said to him, be strong and courageous, which is physical strength and mental strength. He said, have that, physical strength and mental strength. So clearly, Joshua heard the word of the Lord, and he found that strength in God. He pressed into his relationship with God and found what he needed. And then we pick up the story. And what he's done is now that he's the leader of Israel, you must remember that Israel, you know, we often think of them wandering through the wilderness. And I don't know, but I had a picture of like maybe a hundred people, like intense kind of. But you know that there were, when they took a census, a million men of fighting age. And as we, we heard last week, I don't know if you remember when, when Andrew was doing the announcements for the men's camp and the women's tea, he talk, talked about how statistics prove and have proven that all, all of 
um, the population, 50% are men. And 50% are women, give or take a few. <laughs> You're all looking at me like, like, where has this woman, is she teaching us something? This is a joke, guys. We know half of all people are men and half are women. So if we've got a million men of fighting age, how many women do we have, approximately? A million women of fighting age. <laughs> so we know that Joshua was leading a people of a minimum of two million adults. That's a huge amount of people. I mean, that is a leadership job that most of us would quake in our boots at. And the story goes that he's leading them through the wilderness, and he brings them to the edge of the promised land. For 40 years, they've been wandering and um, God dealing with them. And now they stand on the brink of breakthrough. And they stand there at the edge of the Jordan River, and they're looking over at the beautiful hills of Israel and thinking, that's our land that God has given us. Now, I don't know if any of you know anything about the Jordan River, but in general, the Jordan River is like a little, a little stream, like something in the Gauteng in the dry season. You know, it's something that you could easily just jump over, step over. Just you may, Maybe it would get up to your knees or your ankles, you know, but it would be really easy to get through. Once a year, the Jordan River comes down in flood. The snow from the mountains melts, rain in the catchment area, and this river just goes crazy. At that stage, it's over a kilometer wide. It is impossible for a human being to walk through it just a raging torrent as it came through. God was leading them through the wilderness for 40 years. Do you think he could have chosen any day to bring them to this river? I mean, he had 40 years of options. But he chose a day to bring them to the Jordan when it was in full flood. Full flood. And we will carry on the story right after I've prayed. Lord Jesus, many of us are standing on the banks of a Jordan River, seeing our promised land on the other side, but the flood in front of us is just intimidating us. And Lord God, I ask that today every person would find the courage, would find your word spoken to them, would find the resilience, the peace, the life, the blessing, the whatever necessary to step forward and to take what is theirs. Lord God, we, I just ask that the people here would hear more than just my words, but they would hear your words. They would hear your words speaking deep into their souls. Lord God, I pray that every person here would leave here stronger, more encouraged, more alive, more on fire with, with you, Lord God, more understanding of your ways. Thank you, Father. And all of God's people said, Amen and amen. So let's catch up with the story. You can read it in Joshua 3, verses 14 to 17. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest, yet as soon as the priests who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap 
a great distance away at a town called Adam. Can you imagine waking up in that town called Adam that morning with a river piled up in a heap in front of you? In the vicinity of Zarethan, while the, w- while the water flowing down to the Sea of Arabah was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan, while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. Ah, isn't that so great? You know, sometimes when God wants to start you on a new season in your life, or He wants to start you on a new exploit, He wants to bring you into some of the promises that He has, He makes a mark at the start. And sometimes I believe that He he sets the tone. He says, let's start this thing in the way that I want you to continue it. And so, like I said, he brought them to the edge of this river at a time when it was impossible to cross. God set them up. In other words, he was saying to them, I will not let you go into the promised land under your own steam, under your own strength, thinking that it was your hand that brought you into this land. When you go into this land, you will go in knowing that it's the Lord your God who brought you in. That it was the Lord your God who did miracles for you. That it was the Lord your God who opened up doors for you. And many times as you stand in front of raging streams, difficult circumstances, you could perhaps cry out to God, why now? Why this? Why? And I hear the Lord saying to each of your hearts, do not fear. I have brought you to this place so that I might prove myself strong on your behalf. So that I might let you know that it is the, the power of God that will bring you into your blessing just as it's the power of God that will sustain you in your blessed place. And sometimes it is simply God asking us to give up our own wisdom, to give up our own strength and saying, God, more than these things, I don't want, I don't want to say those things aren't important, but more than those things, God, I rely on you. God, I rely on you. So we all have rivers in our lives. We all come to places of difficulty, of turmoil, of how will I get through this thing? Many times those great raging torrents are right before the breakthrough that God wants to bring you to. Many times those are the, 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 that is the, the clincher that will, that will prepare you for the life in the blessing that he has for you. But you know, as we stand on the edge of the river, I want you to imagine what it was like for Israel. For 40 years, they've been wandering around the wilderness and an entire generation has passed away. And now a new generation stands there and they have heard the stories of the previous generation. They've heard the stories of how they came out of Egypt and they stood at that great sea and Moses took out his staff and stretched it over the sea and the sea roared and the wind blew and the sea parted. And those stories must have run around the dinner tables and around the campfires and and these children that had, had not experienced it because it was their parents who experienced it and all of their generation that had experienced had died out in the wilderness. Those children have now grown up and they stand before their own body of water. They stand, stand before their own challenge. And never having experienced that miracle, they, they, have, they have the stories. 
And so many of us, Christianity is like that. We read the Bible, we see the mighty exploits in the books, and we hear the stories of the great, great revivals of the past, and we say, we know this is possible, but we've never experienced it. And in some way, there's this turmoil in our heart. Will God do it for us also? Well, we have the great answer in the story because those priests stepped into the water and the waters did just as they had done in Moses' time. And this is God's promise to us that He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The miracles he did for your forefathers, the miracles he did for the generations past, the miracles we read in the book of Acts, they're our inheritance too. And the stories we've heard of the past, they, we can make them ours. We can make them ours. We can live with an expectation that that same God who defended the Israelites, the same God who blessed your parents, the same God who made fishes and loaves feed 5,000, the same God who healed the sick, who raised the dead, the same God who spoke in times past is here with us, doing that with us now. I don't know how you feel about stressful times, but in stressful times, I know something begins to happen in my mind. You know, when everything's nice and easy, it's like it's, I can tell you all the good stories of God. It's easy to, to tell you how great life is. And then when stressful situations happen, it's like suddenly I find I can only remember the bad times. And you know, I, I feel like when Israel was standing on the edge of that river, they were, they were left with this, this battle internally. And as with all human beings, they faced what I like to call some river wrestles. So in other words, standing on the edge of the river, seeing, knowing that God wants to do a miracle for them, but seeing this raging water that if they stepped into it would just wash them away like that. They've got young children. How are they going to get these across? All their, their tents and their possessions. Oh, it seems like an impossible task. And you know what happens with human beings when we're facing this kind of situation. Thoughts start coming to our minds. You will recognize some of these. First of all, some thoughts of discord. You know, Andrew and I never fight. But at those times when stresses abound, it's much easier for me to start getting irritated with those very things about him that I used to love. You know, you know, I married him because he's so funny. But you know what? When finances are tight, when things aren't going well, where there's stresses around, and he makes a joke, I am just irritated. <laughs> you, know, you know how it is. You know how it is that when you're under stress, it's the people closest to you that get the brunt of it. And suddenly there's this relational discord all around you. You know, friends, family, the people that normally are your best allies, suddenly there's this friction and this difficulty. How about temptation? I'm going to share a true and real story. Some years back, we were fa facing some financial difficulties. And one of my children at school was 
challenging the school system, let's put it that way. And so I was being called in the headmistress's office time to time for quite a lot of times. Don't worry, we sorted out that headmistress and everything's fine. But, but it, it, was, it was stressful. And there were other things going on I can't even remember. It doesn't seem so bad now, but at the time it seemed like horrendous. And I remember standing at my kitchen table and thinking to myself, let me, let me first say this. I, I don't have one of those testimonies like I was this terribly bad, terrible sinner, partier, doing all the wrong things before I got saved. I was just like a good person who realized good is not good enough. You know, I was one of those and got saved and realized even though I'm doing good, it's boring and horrible and not getting me anywhere. I need Jesus. So, so I don't have like all these memories to fall back on of, of bad things to do. So I'm standing there and thinking of, gosh, this is just terrible. I just want to, I just want to forget everything I'm going through. And not having much experience of what to do in those times, all I could think of was, can I go and get a big bottle of wine? open it and down it from top to bottom and have just 20 minutes of not thinking about this stuff. You're all looking at me horrified. <laughs> the good news is I didn't go and get that bottle of wine. <laughs> all say, well done, Carol. But you know what it is. In those times of stress, there are things that call. Things that say, you know, remember those pleasurable times back then? Remember this and that? You could have that again. Forget your worries. Just come away and do these things. You've all felt that little call in your ear. Thank you for resisting it. How about those feelings of being overwhelmed? Like, this is just too big for me. I'll never make it can't do this, I'm not good enough, everything's going to implode, there's no way forward, there's no hope for the future, I'm just completely overwhelmed. Anybody ever felt that? How about, how about doubt? This is something we don't talk about in church much. But you know, you, you were expecting one thing and it turned out differently. Things are just not going the way you thought. And in your mind, this is God real. Is, is God true? Is it possible that God's not really there? And these thoughts come and play you. I've got good news, he is really there, but I want to let you know that this is common human experience. And very often we feel like we the only one ever having these doubts, and so we don't know what to do with them, but I'm here to tell you there is something you can do about it. How about panic? How about, oh my word, I'm going to die, everything's going to fall apart, it's going to be disaster, I'm going to lose everything, everyone's going to hate me, it's just terrible, there's nothing I can do about this. That screaming, you know, you know when your thoughts just keep running and you can't stop them. Anybody have that? Just like you, you lie in your bed, you were feeling quite sleepy, you lie in bed and the minute you put your head down, bam, your eyes are open and all these thoughts. Those feelings of panic. How about there's some feelings of isolation? Oh, 
like sometimes you just feel isolated from everyone. No one understands me. I'm all alone in this. Sometimes you just want to isolate yourself. It's like, I can't cope with this. I'm just going away. I, I'm just running away. I have some good friends who, who's um, uh, coping mechanism of choice is to head for the hills. And we have a, a little saying that when they do that, we're going we're gonna to call each other to account and say, no, come back to where the life is, to the relationships. But it's very tempting at those times to just give up, head out, just not have anything to do with any responsibilities, to just give it all up, just, I don't know. Sometimes you think, you know, those life of those street bums actually seems quite nice. We don't have a beach, otherwise we'd all just, you know, take to beach bumming. But I don't know if you knew what, if you saw what I did. It wa it's not all that subtle. But if you read the screen, you'll see the bold letters there spell something, D-E-M-O-N-S. When we stand in the brink of breakthrough, we, when we stand in confusing, difficult, or overwhelming times, the enemy is so quick to take hold of those times to try and distract you. He cannot prevent God from blessing you. He cannot prevent the victory from being yours. The only thing he can do is to distract you and keep you away from moving forward, to push you to the side, to give you alternatives, to distract you, to lead you to the left or your right so that you won't go forward. You know what? God didn't say to the Israelites, you need all the solutions. You know exactly how to, you need to know how to farm. You need to know how to take over cities. You need to know how to govern a nation. He didn't say that. He just said, walk into the river. You don't need to know all the solutions to your dilemma. You don't need to know how you're going to cope or what you're going to do. You just have to take the next you just have to take the next step. And the devil will do everything he can to stop you. And the primary way he does that, he's very, very sneaky. He comes and speaks to you and makes it sound like it's you speaking to yourself. Yeah. He puts thoughts in your mind, thoughts of discord. It's that person's fault. It's your husband's fault. It's your boss's fault. It's your children's fault. He puts thoughts of temptation in your mind. If you just have this, everything will be okay. Just come and taste this a little while and you'll be fine. He makes it feel, he blows the situation up so large that you can see nothing but the trouble ahead. He comes and whispers into your ear, maybe God's not real. Maybe God doesn't exist. The fact that you are hearing those thoughts means that there is another realm outside of who you are. It means that there is a spiritual realm, and if there's a spiritual realm, there's a God. So the very fact that you even are able to have a doubt means that there is a God. Feelings of, you're going to die, this is the end. Feelings of, just, just go and be by yourself. Because he knows if he can separate you from the covenant, covenant community of the church, you're a sitting duck for his attack. Trying to pull you away from the victory that he knows is inevitable if you just keep going. I turned 50 recently. I know, I know, I don't look it, I know. <sighs> but I turned 50 recently and... Uh, 
You know what? I just, on reflection, I look back in my life. And you know, I remember so many times of sowing good and doing good things and, and not actually at that moment feeling like I was reaping anything or getting anything. And yet when I stand on, when I stood on my 50th birthday and I looked back over my life, I want to promise you there's not one thing I prayed, there's not one thing I believed for, there's not one thing that I desired that hasn't come flooding back to me. That when I sit here, I am so satisfied, so delighted by the goodness of God in my life. And I face many rivers, and I'm sure I'll face many more rivers. But the truth is, if I had stopped at any one of those rivers, I wouldn't be standing here satisfied in God, seeing the fullness and the blessing that He's brought. My children loving God, my, a great marriage, a lovely home, just, just a delightful experience daily in my life. Good friends, wholesome relationships. So the truth is, when you stand at the edge of your river, you're going to have voices in your mind. And the trick is to know which voices to listen to and which voices to discard. There's an interesting scripture in Ephesians 5. It says this, Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore do not be partners with them. And there's a powerful, powerful principle in Scripture that what you partner with or what you agree becomes the power of your life. So Jesus said, where two or more of you agree on anything, it will be done by my Father in heaven. What's he saying? When you agree and you agree with God, you receive the power, the ability from God for that to happen. Here's the thing. If you partner or agree with the devil... You receive power from him to bring that to pass. But here's the great thing is that the devil is a defeated foe. Don't let him determine your next step. He has no more authority left. The only way he can get anything done on this earth is to persuade you to do it for him. And so as we listen to those voices, we have to push away the ones that don't come from God and hang on to that voice that we hear coming from His loving heart. That say the absolute opposite of the say that, no, you have friends that will help you. That talks about how you can resist temptation and how He has what you need in that moment to satisfy your heart and strengthen you. How you don't need to be overwhelmed because he will be with you. He will part the waters. He will set things straight. He will make it work. How he is indeed there with you. How nothing is going to fall apart, but he is going to make it work. And when you hear those, that voice of your heavenly father, agree with that. So that you draw the power of heaven to bring that to My grandfather, my grandmother, sorry, my grandmother, um, her mother moved from England to South Africa many, many years ago. And with them came the original recipe for Cornish pasties. 
How many of you have eaten a Cornish pasty at the local shop, at your, I don't know, the, the food vendor outside your workplace? And you know what a, a South African Cornish pasty looks like. It's kind of a sloppy pastry thing, kind of flat, and when you bite into it, it oozes out kind of um, gravy and, and meat that tastes like maybe it was a goat some years back. You, you know those Cornish pasties. And if that's all you ever tasted, you would think that that was a Cornish pasty. You would think that. But I'm here to tell you that I have tasted the real deal, and that is not a Cornish pasty. A Cornish pasty must be made in your slippers by hand, starting at 5 in the morning. The pastry must be rolled by hand, and it must use real butter. The, the inside of the Cornish pasty must be rump steak, nothing less. It must, be <laughs> it must be cut into small cubes with potatoes and onion, and it must go in raw and be baked inside the pastry to make its own gravy. When you bite into it, it melts in your mouth, and you feel like you've stepped right into heaven. But now, if I had not grown up with my grandmother making us Cornish pasties by hand in her slippers at five in the morning with real butter and rum steak, <laughs> I would have been satisfied with that, that sloppy, gooey Cornish pasty thing you get at the corner shop. Mr. Pyman's version. You see, if you never tasted the real thing, you can't tell when it's counterfeit. And so you, you can't tell when those voices on your head, you can't tell what's real, what's God and what's not God, unless you've really tasted, the, tasted of the truth, of the real deal. And what did God say to Joshua? How was he going to recognize the voice that came from the Lord? How was he going to recognize? He said this to him in Joshua 1.8. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night. Don't stop reading the Bible. What did he say to Joshua? That word to meditate, Mike spoke about it last time. Last time it means to ruminate. It means to pour, pour over in your mind over and over and over. Examine it from every angle. Look at it upside down, inside out. Think about it. Um, apply it. Work it. Talk about it. Keep it going through your mind. Why? So that when those voices come to your mind, you can tell what comes from God and what doesn't come from God. It gives you a taste of the glory of God so that you will never, ever be satisfied with anything less. You thought you just read your Bible as a Christian duty. No, you read your Bible to change you. You read your Bible to taste God. You read your Bible to know Him so that as you're walking about your day, when He speaks to you, you go, ah, that's the voice of my King. That's the voice, let me follow it. I know what to do. I know how to step into this river because I've been practicing by reading my Bible. So another title for this message could have been How to Survive a Spiritual Attack. 
the Bible is very very clear about the spiritual dynamics of the spiritual world. And it's very, very clear about who's in charge. How many of you have seen videos or YouTube clips or heard stories of people being delivered from demons and they lying on the floor, rolling around, frothing at the mouth, shouting loud things? And the thought of even thinking about demons terrifies you because that's your image of what's going to happen if you confront them. But the Bible speaks of something so different to that. There's a scripture in Luke 11 that Jesus himself said. He said this, when a strong man, fully armed, guards his own house. He's talking about the devil right there. His possessions are safe. But when someone stronger attacks and overpowers him, he takes away the army in which the man trusted and divides up the spoils. So he's saying to them, there was a time where you were held captive by the devil. Where you were drawn away to do things that were destructive and hurtful. Where the voices in your head were leading you to things you don't, you don't even like to talk about right now. Where you found yourself in discord and relational difficulty. Where you were pulled this way and that way where you, by your desires and temptations tormented by various things and he's saying not anymore there is one stronger than the devil who has come and he has destroyed the work of the devil in your life and he has bound up the strong man and therefore you are free to live the life of victory that you were originally created for you do not have to go back to that old strong man you know, there is no battle between God and the devil. There's no giant wrestling match between God and the devil. God, Jesus Christ, has defeated him in one fell swoop. Again, don't let a defeated enemy determine your next step. God has destroyed the enemy's plans against you. I'm going to make a shocking statement. But do you know this? that your sin no longer has the power to keep you away from God. The only thing that has the power to keep you away from God is your unwillingness to accept His forgiveness. Everything that has stood between you and God has been defeated by Jesus Christ. And you can live in full victory now and always. There is no battle. Even if those voices have been plaguing you for years and years and years, all you have to do is say, Jesus, come in and stand in those places of the, those voices. And let me tell you, there is no battle. When God walks in, the devil walks out a hundred ways. Great picture. That's you. Would you put yourself in that picture? You eat difficulties for breakfast. You walk in victory daily. You step into rivers and they fly apart. Where you go, all of nature bows to the glory of God that you carry. You are victory carriers. You are glory bringers. You are following God into the place of victory. And not only that, not only that, the story delights me is that the priests walked into the river carrying the Ark of the Covenant. In other words, they were saying, we as a community are in covenant with God. When Moses 
across the Red Sea, he was one man in relationship with God who put out his staff. It was like he, he himself did this. But this is so different. No longer, no longer is it one man of power for the hour. This is a community in covenant with God. It's you and me together in covenant with God. Stepping in to that place of turmoil and difficulty, difficulty and standing our ground. Standing our ground. And the waters receding and a whole nation walking over on dry ground. I don't know if the word Zuma Gupta does something in your heart. But right now in South Africa, we are facing some, some turmoils. If white monopoly capital kind of starts making you shudder. But we are, we are facing some tumultuous times in our political history. I want to propose to you that the difficulties this nation faces are not because of our political system or because of our president. It's because the church, the covenant community of the living God, is not standing in the river. Is that we haven't taken our stand, we haven't risen up and been in this nation who we are meant to be, the voice of righteousness, the example of truth, the prophetic model of how to live. We haven't stood up and reached our neighbors, declared truth, resisted corruption. And when we as a church stand our ground and say, this is the way to live, walk this way. When we reach out to our neighbors, love people with the love of God, we stand in the river and the waters receive and an entire nation will bow its knee to the living God. They will walk into the promised land. When we, we hear the promises that God has for this nation, what could God do with a nation surrendered to him? What could God do with a nation surrendered to him? Every dream you have had for yourself, for your family, for your nation is possible and more because God dreams bigger than you. And as a church, as we stand in the truth, we know whether our government changes or not, God will prosper us. God will bring life. As we stand as a nation with all this terrible, terrible things exposed, we also stand with the biggest grain harvest in history. What is that? God's saying to you and me, do not fear, I am with you. I will lead you. I will make a way for you. Do not listen to the lies of the enemy. Walk into that river and take your stand. Move forward. Do what's right. Love your neighbor. Raise your children. Learn what you need to learn. Grow in God. Be righteous, godly, lovers of Jesus Christ. Infuse your neighborhoods and your workplace with the truth and love of Jesus Christ. Stand in the river. So the truth is, if any person had just gone stood in the river, we'd just wash them away. It wasn't just that they went into the river, it's that they went in with the covenant, with the ark of the covenant. They went in in relationship with God. They went in in covenant with Jesus Christ. 
and what that means. This is the covenant that he's made with us, that he hung on the cross and gave all of his life for our salvation and all he asks in return, one small thing, is that you would give all of your life to him. That's the exchange, his life for your life. And when we stand in covenant, what it means is that we stand surrendered to Jesus Christ. We stand with the Lordship of Jesus Christ over us, not doing our will, but doing his will. And when that happens, when we stand in that river, we cannot lose. What are the characteristics of this covenant? The characteristics are that it's guaranteed, that we have his presence inside of us, guaranteeing a future that is to come. 2 Corinthians 1, 21 and 22. It's also that it is based on a righteousness that he's given us. Righteousness is not just um, doing good things. A righteousness that means that we have the answers. We have right thinking. We have right standing with God so that we can change things. Romans 5, 17, that there's this abundant grace and this gift of righteousness through which we reign in life. We have access to his presence, Ephesians 2.18. In other words, there is never a moment that he is not with you, no matter what those voices in your mind say. It is based on his character. It is immovable. If, um, Hebrews 6 verse 18 says that it is impossible for God to lie. Why is it impossible for God to lie? He can do whatever he wants. He can even lie if he wants. But here's the truth, that if God, if whatever God says, whatever comes out of his mouth, because he's God, it immediately is true. So he can look at this person over here who's messed up, degraded, living terribly, and look at him and say, you are righteous. And at that moment, although as he said it, all of, all of the people around rolled their eyes, and that's not true, but as God says, righteousness is created in that person, and they are righteous. And God will look at you, and he will call out the gold, and he will speak life that was not there before, and he will create it in you yeah. by his words. This is his covenant with us, and it's a covenant of empowerment. Acts 1.8, we will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, and we will be his witnesses. We will find internally a God dwelling that is living out our righteousness, that is making us loving when we couldn't love, is making us true when we couldn't be true, is making us efficient when we couldn't be efficient, is making us strong when we couldn't be strong in ourselves, giving us a power to live far beyond our own ability. This is the covenant, the characteristics of the covenant we serve, or we are in with him. Submit to the strongest man, Jesus, by agreeing with the right voices and living in covenant with him and his church. Then you cannot lose. Amen. Amen. So you river walkers, <laughs> you world changers, you glory bringers, I'm going to invite you to hear this word, to step into your rivers, to resist the voices, to submit to Jesus, to allow him to destroy all the distractions and to take that step into the river. In covenant with him, submitted to him, that river will part. The waters will heap up somewhere at some unknown nation or town. We know Ermelo is going to have a very big surprise as we all walk into the river and some, the Val River heaps up around Ermelo. I don't even know if Ermelo is on the Val River. But this is our inheritance, church. This is who we are. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I just ask right now that you would come and then speak to each person here. Holy Spirit, if there's anyone here 
who you know they are they're living below what they could live and Lord God they they've been trying hard to to get things right but they haven't managed because they haven't actually submitted to you and if there's anyone here that you know in your heart you haven't you haven't given your life to him you haven't surrendered to him you haven't submitted to him and you would like to do that you just realize that the way you've been living is not working for you and you just need you need a change you need something new you need you need Jesus and if that's you and you're here and you want to make that change you may have been in church since you were young you this might be your first time in church it doesn't really matter. We all come the same way, surrendering and realizing our need for Him. And if that's you, I'm going to invite you to raise your hand because I would love to pray for you. Every eye closed and every head bowed. If you are here and you would like to, to make a change, make this change and hand over to Jesus, if that's you, just raise your hand. Thank you. That's great. Is there anyone else who would like to do that?